As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. If you're loving this podcast, we invite you to go deeper and partner with us in our work by joining the Gravity Commons, our online community of practice for connecting and learning together. As a member of the Gravity Commons, you get access to live podcast recordings with upcoming guests, as well as other opportunities to connect and learn together with us in real time. Including learning labs, member meetups, discussion boards, online courses, and our practitioner podcast. Go to gravityleadership.com slash commons to find out more. See you in the commons. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Sternke. I'm here with Christy Penley. How is it going, Christy? Good. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Pretty busy. This like- is a. I'm going on vacation um, next week, and Woo-hoo! so uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. But uh, the week before vacation is always busy. Um, there's always yes. all kinds of things I'm trying to get buttoned up for the next two weeks. You know. Yep. Yep. So yeah, looking okay, forward to well, that. How about you? How are you doing? We're good. We we are getting our basement ripped up uh, on purpose. Like new carpeting, new walls are being put up, new electricity, <laughs> all new things. On yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've got people nice. working here and um, things are happening, but it's good. And Matt's not with us today because he is with Paul uh, fishing. And uh, we tried to actually do this intro yeah. while he was on location and it did not work. But he asked a really good question that I think needs to be asked again. And this is like, what is an, a <laughs> okay. pet that you would never have? How would you answer that, Ben? Yes, an animal I would never have as a pet is a 
spider probably. I would never have a spider as a pet. They creep me out. I <laughs> I hate them all, especially the, the bigger ones. Uh, they just I, like I, I get a little shiver every time I see one. My son came up from the. He's been staying with us for a little while. He's he's uh, he lives um, out of town, uh, but he's been back and staying with us for a little bit this summer uh, before we go on vacation altogether. And uh, he came up uh, yeah, yesterday from the basement where his uh, room is, the extra room that we have in our house. He came up and he said, I have killed six spiders since I've been here. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, he was super creeped out about having to kill spiders in the basement. Yes. Uh, so. I don't like anyway, spiders Anyway, what would either. you say, Christy? What's your animal that you would never have as a pet? Yeah, I would not... Well, originally I thought I would not have a bunny because I'm very allergic to bunnies. But... The real answer is that I would never have a pet trout fish in my backyard because I would never see my husband. <laughs> he would only ever be outside fishing. Or maybe I would see him because he would always be home. I know, I'm not sure, but I would not have a trout fish in my backyard. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's, so. uh, that's an odd, uh, an, an odd uh, pet, anyway, uh, I, would, I would say. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, well, anyway, we are, um, introing this second episode in our series that we've started on our book that is coming up, um, having the mind of Christ, uh, by Matt and I releases on July 26th with IVP. We're super excited about it. Um, it's eight axioms to cultivate a robust and resilient faith. And they represent, uh, these eight axioms represent significant paradigm shifts for us over the last 20 plus years. Um, just stuff that we've learned is important to name as we coach and train and disciple, um, because uh, unless we can uh, kind of come into these significant paradigm shifts about who God is, how life works, um, you know, how salvation works, all of this kind of stuff, uh, it's going to be really difficult for us to make any progress in our spiritual lives and in our walk uh, with Jesus. And so, that's what the series is all about. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna kind of run through each episode is um, going to be a chapter from the book where we we talk about some of the practical implications of each chapter of the book, and um, that will take us uh, through the launch date. Actually, we're going to go up to the launch date on July 26, but then continue the series um, a few weeks after. Uh, the launch date. And so you can still join our book launch team at gravityleadership.com slash launch. Uh, you'll get a free advanced PDF of the book so that you can read along with us. You can join discussions. Um, there's one happening this week, Thursday evening. And so if you join the book launch team, you'll get information about that. Um, yeah. So that is available to you. You can pre-order the book right now from IVP. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Um, and uh, if you use the code gravity, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping. And also, we would love to hear questions or reflections that you have about uh, each of these chapters. And so if you visit us at gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button, um, you can leave us a message and you can leave us an audio question that we will answer on a future episode. So I would encourage you to check those things out. We did our introduction to the book last week, and this week we are talking about Axiom One, which is God is love, and so it's all about love. Anything more we need to say about this episode, Christy, before we dive in? Man, I, it's so good. And I, I hope, can I just say, like, I'm 
hope this comes across okay, but like, I'm really proud of you and Matt. I think this book is needed. <laughs> I want people to read it. Um, and yeah, I don't, I mean, we said a lot in the podcast, so maybe we just jump in. Yeah, sounds good. All right, here we go. We are jumping right into Axiom One. Here we go. Hey, uh, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to part two of our uh, series um, on our upcoming book, Having the Mind of Christ. Um, we are back here with Gino and Christy. Uh, Matt's here as well. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey. Greetings. Um, uh, I, f- I was just saying uh, before we hit record that this feels a little bit like a little book club that we're doing. And it's, hmm. uh, I love I'm, book I'm clubs. Yeah, book club. This is fun. Except for I need the snacks. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Like... I have some Coke hey. Zero right here. That's, well, that's about kind of all a I snack have. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. In your Muppet mug. In my your Muppet you glass. Guys, yeah. Muppet '80s glasses from McDonald's. I got yeah, it at a McDonald's. white elephant gift. Oh yeah. Exchange. The great Muppet caper. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great. That's a great Muppet wow. movie. You just reminded <laughs> me I have snacks here on my desk. So. Oh, <laughs> you got snacks. I don't now have. I have no snacks. I have no I don't snacks either, where I am. Yeah. I'm sorry. In your undisclosed location. My undisclosed location. An undisclosed snackless location. Thank you. Yeah. Take that. Uh, Yeah. Matt's trying to feed Gino through the video screen. Uh, It'll work. working. Yep. This is what an NFT is. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. This is an NFT. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Gino has to pay like a million dollars for it, though. So then it would be an NFT. Very satisfying. (laughs) Satiated by my NFT. Uh All right. Um, well, um, we are going to proceed uh, to talk about our first axiom. So um, our book is Eight Axioms uh, for Cultivating a Robust or Resilient Faith. And uh, the first axiom is, uh, and again, last, last uh, week we talked a bit about the introduction about what an axiom is and why. We actually didn't talk about what an axiom is. We can maybe talk about that here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about the importance of paradigms. Um, not just engaging in Christian practices, but um, learning to see the God and the world the way that Jesus saw uh, God in the world, which is what we're calling a paradigm. Mm-hmm. And so these axioms kind of function as shortcuts, uh, little kind of memes, if you will, um, language memes that allow us to access a way of seeing God, a way of seeing the world that um, helps us, that trains us into a new paradigm. And so the first axiom in the book is called, God is love, so it's all about love. And uh, we dive into, in this, uh, in this chapter, we dive into kind of what we mean by that and why that's important. Yeah. Um, this, this axiom used to be called, um, in a previous iteration, it used to be called uh, what was it? What was the name of this one? The goal of discipleship is divine union. I think it was hmm. something like that. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's what uh, this one used to be called. And if you're listening and you've been through our training, uh, that's probably what you're familiar with. But um, we decided to do a couple things with this axiom. One was we changed it to be a bit more all-encompassing than divine union, um, and to make it about love, because that's really kind of what we mean when we talk about divine union. Yeah. And then we moved it to the front. Uh, we moved it to, uh, to be the first axiom because this felt like a foundational 
point to make. It felt like a foundational mm-hmm. paradigm um, that really challenges a lot of the ways that I know I and Matt, I know for you as well, um, inherited sort of assumptions about what ministry is all about, about what life's all about, um, about what's important. Um, and so we felt like it was important to name it right off the bat. So God is love. And so it's all about love. And so maybe mm-hmm. we could start with this uh, question. Um, you know, in the book, we, we detail some of the cost of, uh, you know, <laughs> of um, not centering love. Uh, in our practice of the Christian faith and ministry. But I, w- I wonder, Gino and Christy, what, what's been your experience of the role and place of love in Christian ministry? Was that named as a, as a value, as an important uh, thing to focus on, as something central? Um, and how would you experience, uh, how would you describe your experience of, of love uh, in the church? Any reflections on that from, from y'all? You want to go first, Christy? <laughs> I'm happy to go. Um, I, broke, I, I, broke the, I broke you. the rule of when you're interviewing two guests, uh, you're always supposed to just ask one of them no. to share first because everybody's no, so polite. They don't Rock. want to just assume that it's their turn to speak. You guys are great. But Christy, why don't you share with us? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, I grew up in it. I don't think that that was what was foundational. I, I think um, holiness, <laughs> being yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Like that type of thing was what was um, kind of pushed in front of me, and that and, wasn't and seen. Even, that wasn't seen as love. Hol- holiness was not seen as no, centered in love. It was, yeah, yeah, it was something right. tangential or different. Yeah, or even outside, okay. you know, okay. uh, because if you messed up and you weren't holy, then you didn't get love. That was kind oh, of the, yeah. I think the, um, sure. And I don't, I don't think that that was necessarily the the heart beat of the church that I grew up in. But mm-hmm. I think that's what was communicated. Yeah. Um, however, I'm really grateful because I had people who I think loved Jesus who modeled love to me yeah. in a beautiful way. And so maybe the church didn't do that for me, but my grandfather did, right? Oh. Maybe maybe the church didn't do that for me, but I had a mentor who did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that that um, kind of was mm-hmm. my experience, at least within the yeah. church. What I don't know if you those I'm assuming uh, Christy were not hypothetical uh, random examples, but they are from your life, your grandfather. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can um, you can you talk a bit about that? How did your how did you experience love uh, in your relationship with your grandfather? Yeah, he probably outside of my husband, most influential man um, in my life, and he mm-hmm. was very gentle and very kind. Um, and very wise with words. And that mm. kind of like triad of qualities, um, I think just modeled love to me. Uh, he yeah. was really consistent. And he, so if he had to correct me, it was all done in kindness and in gentleness mm. um, and, and with <laughs> wisdom. And so yeah. I just saw that, you know, for decades of my life. And it, mm. it did something to me, right? Yeah. It made me yeah. want to be like him, which I think that's what like, love draws you in, right? We see yeah. Jesus and the way he loves people is so beautiful. Um, and I think it draw, it drew people in and, and it drew me in with my grandpa. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Wow, Thank you. that's so good. Yeah. I, I want those examples in my life. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Thanks for sharing that. 
I think of um, the the way that the church shaped me. I feel like there's some backstory and context. Like I was formed in love being about a feeling, uh, um, a way that you feel around people and you should pursue that at all costs. If it feels good, that's what you should push into. Mm -hmm. And so later in life, I come into a church that I think is doing some work that's contextual for where it was. So my critiques need to be held with that in mind. I think there was good work being done. But the, the thing was, love is an action that's done for other people. And mm. so it was move, working against selfishness to like self-sacrifice, I right. think is what I experienced, yes. right? Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so, yep. so I think how I would, I mean, all of these words are are important to me in this definition. I think what I learned was like it, love is self-sacrifice that actually may drive you into a performance at all costs mentality or ethic <laughs> and lacks boundaries based in our own desires. Ooh. It lacks any boundaries yeah. around right. our own desires. Right. Yeah. That's sort of valorized and held up as the, the prime example. You know, the um, we've done <laughs> podcasts about this, but the giving tree, right? Sure. Sort of held mm-hmm. up as this... Mm-hmm prime example of what it means to love but but actually you know it feels like is that just codependent <laughs> you know like yeah yeah the real deal there so i was the beneficiary of a lot of that you know having mm. children being born while in this church and meals mm. for months and all of these yeah. things and then you know 10 years into it you wonder do we even know each other? Are we connected? Or do we look back and say, these are the things that we did and now is it expected to be returned? Like because we we didn't have boundaries for ourselves. And now we feel like maybe that was done out of performative obligation or something in the name of yeah. Jesus. And and I and I, I don't want to say like nothing was done well. Like I'm sure. saying my perspective on this is like, yeah. ah, this wasn't doing good work in me because it led to we sacrifice everything for the sake of others. That means my kids, my my wife, my my marriage, anything, because the most important thing to show that I'm following Jesus is that I love people and love is yeah. defined as that. Yeah. 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 It's that can be really tricky, can it? Because there is something there's like a I mean, I guess every um every way that we get love wrong is because it's probably rooted in some truth about mm-hmm. love, right? Mm-hmm. So does love sure. involve sacrifice? Well, of course it does, you know? And so that, you know, the answer I think is not just to become a <laughs> selfish person as if that's the binaries. Like, well, I can either, you know, just kill myself to love people or I can be selfish. Um, but mm-hmm. there is a, there is such a thing as boundaries. And I think that's just part of, I think what we all have to learn. Um, and, and <clears throat> I think some of the reason that we, um, I mean, one of the things we say in the book, in this chapter, is that we have sort of set aside love as as leaders, as um, people who talk about what's important in the church. We've set it aside as a value and as something to hold up. I think partly because we have we have some of these anemic visions of what love is and what love does and how how love works, um, like you're talking about. And maybe there's other mm-hmm. anemic visions, like you know, love is just sort of sentimentalism. And it's just being nice. Uh, to people and it's um, that kind of thing. And I think we've, we've set it aside for those reasons. And so part of the work that we want to do in this axiom and part of the work that I think we're called to do is to bring it back into the center. But that means learning the ways that we've gotten love wrong and, and learning sort of walking through this disorientation about like, wait a second, like I thought, I thought this was what it meant 
to love people, but now I'm having mm. these, you know, new learnings, new realizations, and it feels it's yeah, it can just be disorienting to to walk through that. Um, so I appreciate yeah. some of that that you're sharing, Gino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> can I say something about love? Mm-hmm. Some say oh, love. love. Some say <laughs> love. It is a river. <laughs> <laughs> and some say love it as a razor. Mm-hmm. I think there's a uh, one of the one of the things that we wanted to do, and you know, it pings off of what you described is there's there's a lot of confusion about what is love, mm-hmm. how does it operate, mm-hmm. and how will we know if we're living in love? Yeah. And so we can't even. So part of part of the impetus in writing this is, look, it, it's audacious, preposterous to say that you know Ben and I have uh, even. Um, have some sort of like great thing to share about love. Rather, like going back to Jesus, letting him be uh, the author mm-hmm. and fit and perfecter of our faith, um, and being the person who never was not loving. Um, what do we mm-hmm. learn? What can we glean? What can we, what can we begin to say definitively? Mm-hmm. This is how love works. This is what love does. And mm-hmm. this is how to know if you're living in it or not. And I think, Gino, you named a few of the things that uh, what Jesus's life did for me was give me language to name, okay, this isn't loving, and that's why it's doing destructive work in my life, and mm-hmm. this is why I have to learn how to love. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't. So I don't yeah. let myself f- find myself being, you know, manipulated, abused, exploited, and so mm-hmm. I don't unintentionally do that to other people. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that. Um, it occurs to me as you're saying that. I mean, th- just this one misuse of love or misapplication of love could even be the um the giving of yourself for others without even asking them if this is something that they want can mm. can lead to all yep. kinds of damage um that Christianity is complicit in of saying we're doing this for their good whether that's a backpack outreach or sandwiches in my city or the taking over of quote unquote new worlds. Um, these mm-hmm. things apart from being with and being present and listening and responding and mm-hmm. setting up some healthy understanding can yeah. cause a lot of mess. So love is important. Yes. Baby, don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> what is love? No more. You can see how many, uh, how how many song that? lyrics we can jam into this episode. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's something subtle here that uh, I think is important to name that um, I think we've, one of the things that happens is we set love aside. I think another thing that happens is we assume love, right? So, Gino, you mentioned like like colonial, the colonial instinct, right? Which it's easy to just brand that as like, well, of course, it'd be great for everybody to know about Jesus. And so we should come and we should, well, we should probably, and obviously our way of doing things is better. And so we should, we should impose, right? This good thing upon, you know, these people. Um, and I think that colonial instinct uh, lives, at, at least in the Western church, it lives in us, right? It, and it's, it's actually really difficult for us to begin to extract what that, um, what that has meant for us mm-hmm. uh, in, our, in our forms of mission and that kind of thing. But I think the, the, one of the dangers that I'm trying to name here is that we assume love. We assume that the reason we want to do things is, is that we want to love people and I think that's that's what makes this hard to talk about and and to really parse. I think because what we're ass- asserting in this book is that actually love has content, like what it means yes. to love someone 
is a certain thing. It can't just be anything. Um, it can't just be any time I want to do something good for somebody or any, you know. And so what we're what we're trying to I think show is that Jesus lived his entire life and lives his life now uh, fully in love. Like it, it was fully given over to love. Another way to say this is that Jesus never didn't love anyone, right? That he met. He was always constantly loving everybody he met. Love was everything for him. And so we have to like learn how to see then, okay, in the various ways that Jesus interacts with people, which is, I mean, it's very, like his words to the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law at the end of Matthew gospel, that's love. And so mm-hmm. is his words to the woman caught in adultery. That's love. So are his words yeah. to his disciples. Uh, that's love. And so learning how to take the content of love that we see revealed in Jesus and like learn how to live in that. I think it's a, it's a, it's hugely important. Um, but it's, it's difficult sometimes I think to learn how we've assumed love in, you know, various places of our lives. Hey, listeners, uh, it's Ben from the podcast, and I just wanted to say thank you for being part of our community in this way. We're really, really grateful that you uh, tune in and you listen uh, to these podcast episodes and these conversations that we're having and that you are learning alongside us uh, how to root our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus. It's awesome. Uh, that you do this uh, with us every week. And so we're grateful, we're thankful, and we'd love to hear from you. And so over the course of the next four to six weeks, we are inviting you to fill out a brief online survey to let us know a little bit more about you so that we can serve you better, so that you can help to shape the future of what gravity becomes in this next season. Uh, so if you'd like to participate in that, go to gravityleadership.com survey gravityleadership.com slash survey and fill out the form there. It should only take you a few minutes and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks in advance. You guys say, and I think this is brilliant and really good um, for us to sit in, but you say truth without grace isn't love Mm -hmm. and grace without truth isn't love. Mm -hmm. And and really sitting in that, that love really is this, is this connection of both and, right. um, and yeah. seeing that lived out in Jesus and in the gospels really transforms how we view it. Because we would say like, oh, the way he talks to the, to the Pharisees, well, that's not love. He's being mean, but it <laughs> right. is grace yeah. and truth, right? Yes. Calibrated yes. together. Yes. Um, and I think where we, at least for me, we see in the church as a whole, okay, this is like mm-hmm. a big generalization, right? Where they're they're trying to love, but maybe it's just truth. Or they're trying to love and maybe it's just grace. And they're not calibrating both. And then that changes we then we think, oh well, if the church is the church is supposed to be this picture of God. And if the church isn't doing it, then that must be how God is. And so God must not love. And and, and yeah. we, we sit in these lies that then mess us up. And then, you know, I've lots of friends in the midst of deconstruction because of the pain and the hurt that's come from the lack of love that they've experienced. Yeah. And so 
it's so important to look what is how does Jesus do this? Like he is mm-hmm. the model, he is the picture. Um yeah. not not the hum not us as humans. Yeah. It's mm. mm-hmm. hmm. good. Um part of the way that I think we discern what love is and how it works um, in the world is by naming places where we've experienced the lack of love um, and naming how that affects us, naming how that hurts us, harms us. Um, and so I wonder if, if y'all, I mean, we described, Matt and I described this in the book a little bit, um, situations where a lack of love created hurt and pain for us. And I, I wondered if y'all can relate, if you've ever been hurt, you know? Mm. <laughs> Have you experienced pain? Um, and I wonder if you could tell a bit of your story, uh, you know, perhaps of where, as it relates, you know, for you as to like the cost of the lack of love in the church. Yeah. Before we, uh, before we hit play, I, d- I was honest with the three of you and said, I'm a little nervous talking about mm, this. Yeah. Um, because I would say in the last 20 years, right. Christian schools and churches mm-hmm. across America, places I've worked, um, there have there has been times of lack of love that has mm. maybe there's been a wound right to my heart, yeah. Yeah. and there's a, a scab. <laughs> if you like the the picture that I have is like over my heart, and kind of talking about this is picking at that mm. scab. Maybe maybe how many of our listeners, if if you listen to like Mars Hill uh, podcast, right, uh, mm. the rise and fall of Mars Hill, it kind of picked at that scab that there many of mm. us had wounds there, yeah. um, and that for me, when there's been this lack of love, um, it's been hard. Mm. It's been really yeah. hard. And, yeah. and what do we do with that has been part of my story. And so whether that's, you know, being a woman mm. and the gender role and, and the power differentiation and all of that, how that plays a role within the church, yeah. I just wish it was different because mm. I didn't experience love in all of those places. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is the this is the cost of of love is that one of the reasons the cost of love is that it, it you can't open yourself up to love without also being vulnerable to pain yeah like love is vulnerability mm-hmm. and that that we have more there's more of us to hurt when love is involved right when we're connected mm-hmm. or loyal or giving ourselves or receiving from somebody else it's touching yeah. places in us that aren't open if we're just ordering, you know, a Happy Meal from McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? That person can't hurt mm-hmm. us as much as somebody who's our pastor or our mm-hmm. spouse, you know, or a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of the, I think part of the reason why we choose not to love or we choose lesser goals or other goals is because we're tired of being hurt. Yeah. Or we have a program of self-protection that... Mm-hmm. We can't run and love at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's another reminder that we come by this honestly, right? Um, that this, that there is a great deal of risk um, and nobody likes being hurt. And sometimes you just get tired of it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Gina, how about you? Any stories you want to share? Well, I mean, we, we've done a whole podcast on yeah, you you did. Know, the main, you shared a main story for me. Yeah. So maybe 
but some reflections on that just in our conversation now i i i believe that i encountered quite a bit of healing in the understanding that love is a calibration of grace and truth because you know on the on the daily i was getting during that experience i was getting emails or letters or whatever that would be signed or t- said something like because we love you we're doing these things and i just kept thinking like what these things what that is- you didn't experience as love yeah, yeah, I didn't experience yeah. it as love, and I and I thought like, is this like, is this is there something wrong with me? Is this gaslighting? Right. You know, what what is going yeah. on yeah. here? Um, because I don't experience this as love, and maybe this is all love is. Maybe love is just like this. Hey, I'm right, and you're wrong, so I have <laughs> every right to do anything possible to make you see it this way. You know, and 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 I that, that's that's had that had has taken a lot of time to kind of unravel and, and think through that, that I can look back though now and say, here's, here's the thing about love. Um, love requires a, something that is more than just someone affirming that they're loving. Yeah. There, yeah. There, there needs to be a little bit of evidence in these things. And I think we, uh, those stories that, of Jesus, we might, there might be something that we're predisposed to in our, in our dysfunction that we see mm-hmm. Jesus railing on the Pharisees as railing on the Pharisees and not loving them. And we say, mm-hmm. well, that activates in me, my prophetic edge to just yell at everyone. You're like, nah, man, that's not what's happening. Yeah. There. Yeah. It is, but yeah. it isn't, you know, there, there, there is, there is an edge, but this is motivated in love yeah. and this yeah. is an expression of love. And maybe because we can't calibrate it, we shouldn't be talking like that. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe we need to learn and until we mature into a person that can calibrate it. So going full circle, like back to my story, maybe, the, maybe these letters shouldn't be signed in love or because we love, because you don't know how to calibrate a really difficult situation yeah. for you, not just for me and my family, but for yeah. you. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we ought not name that something that it isn't Ugh. when we're in challenge yeah. like that. Yeah, man, this is so yeah. challenging because I, I, I imagine those people probably thought that that was the motivation, mm-hmm. you know, but, and this is, this is why, I mean, you know, part of our training in Gravity Leadership Academy, we talk about just learning to name and own what we call um, a Kairos. It just means like, I'm just, I need to be able to name and own my own experience I have to be able to narrate how I'm experiencing this. And if I can't do that, I'm going to be, it's going to be so easy for me to just get sucked into, you know, thinking that my anxiety about a situation is, you know, uh, thinking that my anxiety about the choices you're making, Gino, is like, oh, that's my mm-hmm. love for Gino. I need, I need to convince Gino not to make that choice because I love him. Right. When in actuality, right. maybe, maybe what love should do, maybe what love would do in that moment would be to name my anxiety and say, Gino, yeah your decisions are making me feel really anxious and I'm not really sure what that's about. Um, but I, I just find myself questioning what you're doing and I wonder if we can talk about it. Maybe that's a better starting place, right? Um, it's just so important to be able to do that. So wouldn't that be an an amazing experience if that was responded to, Mm -hmm. you know, even with a pause of saying, cause I I do remember and, and maybe perhaps you, have had these same situations where you have just said like, I know you say you're loving me, but I'm not experiencing this as love. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's instantly seen as a challenge um, rather than, Hey, I'm trying to like, 
process this through. Maybe I, I'm not seeing this correctly. But then the, if the response is doubling down on, you know, take your medicine, yeah. thinking, yeah. yeah, this isn't the place to be naming my Kairos. This is not the, the Kairos yeah. zone here. Yeah, yeah. It has to be a safe place to do so. That's for sure. I think we're getting at some really important things about how do we assess? How do we know if it's love or not? Yeah. Um, and, and Gino, you're naming like, hey, I'm not experiencing this as love. Um, which I think I want to be careful and say that's important data, but, um, it's also not a Trump card. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's really important data that what you're, what you're telling me you're doing and what I'm experiencing or perceiving does not line up. Um, but then I think what you, what you're owning there, Gino, as a Kairos is, so let's discern that. Right. Yes. Let's figure out who who probably both of us needs to grow and change. And mm-hmm. I, I would just hold forth that that ability then to join and discern for the good of both is love. Yes. Like that yes. that's that's love. Um yeah, mm. that's love. So that's the first thing I wanna just yeah. name that you're good. describing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really important because I, I, I mean, I had the same thought that, you know, I don't know that the Pharisees would have named, you know, Matthew 25 as like, yeah, Jesus, I don't know, we're not experiencing this as love. You know what I mean? Like they, they may say that as yes. well. And so True. like, like Matt said, it can't be a trump card. Um, but by the same token, I think we can probably say that in Jesus, there was an invitation. That was kind of his last ditch effort, right? Matthew 25, his last ditch effort to get them to turn from the, the destruction they were heading into. Um, but there was openness there to joining. And I think that's an important uh, aspect of this. We call this in the, in yeah. the book, we call this communion as love uh, or communion mm-hmm. in love. Sorry. Um, because I think there's uh, what we're trying to get at here is that love is more than, as you said earlier, Gino, love is more than just the action of loving, like just these like visible actions, like actions of service towards other people mm-hmm. that, that what love is, is a joining. It's a communion. It is a, a mingling. Um, it is a, and what we mean by that is that my soul is open to you in the sense that I'm willing to be changed by you. I'm willing to be changed mm-hmm. by what you say to mm-hmm. me. I'm willing to repent, to turn, to, to do something different based on what you share with me from your experience. And if you are also willing to change based on what you experience from me, well, then I think we're in communion with one another. And I think we can love yeah. one another. I think that's what it means to love one another. And we learn that, of course, from God, uh, who is open to us. And uh, we learn to be open to God uh, in the same way. So some, that means love can share hard things, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably yes. the only environment in which you can actually share hard things where it's actually has a chance of being heard and seen. Um, so yeah. yeah anything else? Um, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that, that there's connection is, is kind of what mm. when you say mm-hmm. communion, yeah. uh, maybe another word that is we're looking for connection with people and to, yeah. in a sense, maintain that connection and understand that there are, then there, there is the need for that connection to be healthy, not to be mm-hmm. a damaging one, right? Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, there, there has, Willie James Jennings says it this way when he, when he talks about the joining that the Spirit um, brings. 
is that the answer to why people that shouldn't be together or don't want to be together are together. The only answer that works, I just recently heard him say this, it says is you have to say, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So love, love needs that kind of environment, right? Yes. And, yes. and that's, or, or love takes root in that kind of environment. So there's this this connection, and there's yeah. a there's some kind of a commitment, I think, in that of saying I'm willing to have an experience that doesn't feel like love to me, and maybe rethink how I'm feeling. Yeah. Maybe might be based on some wrong perception, and I need mm-hmm. new glasses. You know, I need new lenses, right. and all of those things happen there. But but. Um, that desire for connection, I think, is is something that um, ought mm. to be presented if we're going to mm. be talking about love at all. It's so good. Yes, I, I think that's, and, and this is why, the, you know, part of the assertion of this axiom is that God is love, so it's all about love. And this mm-hmm. is what we're trying to do is is to recenter it and say, that, like every aspect of our life, ecclesi- ecclesially, um, relationally, like every aspect of our life is is meant to be rooted and grounded in this kind of love that is that seeks communion, that seeks connection, that seeks to stay open. Um, this is life. This is what it means to live. This is what uh, love yeah. feels like. And I think I think you're right that a lot of us have associated it with um, maybe feelings of comfort feelings of uh, warmth. Um, and it's love certainly involves that, but we have to expand mm-hmm. our vision, I think, to see that love oftentimes involves feelings of disorientation uh, and can even include, you know, in the biblical sense of the term judgment, uh, you know, sort of mm-hmm. a, a, a seeing of things in a new light that means, oh, I have to change. Um, this is wrong and something needs to change. That can be love as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you look at Jesus, it he is the picture of radical love. Mm. And and I, I think like in reading this chapter, there was, well, here's the deal. If you guys ever do a, a 2.0 version of this. Okay, uh, yeah, we're you, talking about this again. Come on, <laughs> taking notes. You, Hold on, let me get my Google Doc. You, it will be called like, How to Have the Mind of Christ. How to Have the <laughs> Mind of Christ. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The title mm-hmm. would change. Got but um, <laughs> you, you have like um, practices at the end, right? Yeah, but yeah, I would also really love just, questions, like almost like small group Mm. questions, or even if they're reading it on their own, like questions that you, that would stir and make you kind of think and dig Mm. in a little bit. But one of the questions that I have written on the margin of the page is what does it look like to, to live radically as Jesus loved? Like how, Mm. how do I embody radical love in my relationship with my husband or my kids or my coworkers or my friends? And I kind of sat in that, um, for a little bit when I read this chapter and, Mm. and had some idea, had some people come to mind Mm. of, of not that I had solutions. I don't have it tied up in a pretty bow, but it was me kind of digging in of, you know, I don't think the way that I'm living with this person is radical love. Yeah. And I want that. I do. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't say that to be churchy. I just mean like I my heart beats for that. And mm-hmm. so there was some challenge and some conviction in that for me and something that I'm still chewing on for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think, you know, the way we approach this um, in our training is always just to name your Kairos, you know, and so there's... Yep. Uh, that's we can be confident that God's at work uh, in the places where we're noticing those things, um, yeah. good, good or bad, or ugly. Um, and so, yeah, that's helpful. 
Yeah. Well, uh, this has been so great. much could, more to be uh, said about love. I right? know so much more to be said. Yeah, mm. uh, more than we can do in a thirty-minute podcast-ish, uh, or a I don't know how many words are in this chapter. One chapter of a book. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could end with uh, just what does more what song do, lyrics. What, well, uh, I, I don't know if this is a song or not, but I just wrote okay. uh, I just wrote yeah. an acrostic poem for the word love. Oh, I, uh, you did. Do share. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I guess uh, you can. Share. L. I have I have something to share at the end as well. Go ahead. L is L for L is for the way you look at me. Okay. O. That's good. Is for the only one I see. The only one I see. V is very very extraordinary. I'm still working on that line. I'm not happy. Okay. With it. Yeah. E. <laughs> Is even more than anyone that you adore can. Also working on that mm. one. I, I think I'm halfway done. Mm. Yeah, halfway, halfway done. done. I, yeah. I, f- mm-hmm. I feel like before we go, we do also need to point out that we have answered the question of the great theologian Tina Turner, who asks, mm. "What's love got, <laughs> to, got do? to do with it? Got, got to, to do, do with it? Got to everything, do with it? And it seems like everything. Yeah. Everything, Tina. Everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mrs. Turner. Everything." Is the answer. Well, this is good, guys. We've answered a lot of uh, at least um, at least uh, the the song lyrics, the the lyricists and the songwriters among us. Um, we've answered their questions. Can, can I end with Can I end with a different kind of quote, um, uh, a less silly quote? I've been reading through uh, Rowan minute. Williams' book Resurrection. Whoa, don't talk about mm. Tina that way. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sure, I I would never. Uh, I I take it back. I um, I. I or Nat King apologize. Cole, both of them. They're, yeah, they're ballers. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, you're, you're doing what now? Rowan Williams is a... also a baller. And uh, I've Williams. been reading his book called Resurrection, Interpreting the Easter Gospel. And it's just fantastic. I just is love that, it. Uh, who is that? Is that your plumber? Rowan Williams? Yeah, who is that? Yeah, he is my plumber. So. Okay, good. All right. Also happens to be a world-renowned theologian. So <laughs> um, uh, anyway... Um, Anyway, I'll, I'll just read this. It, it's kind of, uh, he's talking about the way that um, God's grace deals with us. And uh, there's some stuff in here about love. In Yeah, it just relates to a lot to, uh, a lot to what we've been talking about. So uh, let me, I'll just read this, see what you guys think. Grace deals with us whole. It does not simply console me as victim, for that would be to leave untouched the reality of my complicity in the hurt and damage of the world. Human beings long to be reassured that they are innocent, but this is one of the cardinal points of misdirected desire, a desire to possess or to manipulate a power capable of obliterating part of ourselves and our past. The gospel will not ever tell us that we are innocent, but it will tell us that we are loved. And in asking us to receive and consent to that love, it asks us to identify with and make our own love's comprehensive vision of all we are and have been. Good, bad, and ugly. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm just it's it's hard to encapsulate Rowan Williams' uh, kind of insights, but um that there's something about the way that love speaks to us and addresses us that um I think is important in what we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. So good stuff. Well, good enough for now, y'all. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go do something about this rash. And uh, <laughs> okay. sorry, I've got a rash. I've got a rash in my armpit. Did I yeah. tell you that earlier? Yeah. I did. Wow. Well, Matt, Matt was proud of things. himself for not mentioning it uh, during the, our episode last week, um, but it just it just came yeah. out. So 
It's time it's, to stop well, falling I, out of yourself, I'm, Matt. I'm, I'm I'm proud that I didn't mention it, mention it because I didn't. <laughs> I, so I, I can be proud. It's this, really noticeable. It's I did all this over good job, Gino. I did this to remove uh, temptation from Gino. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's how you that lay on your life friends. That's something that love that's how you would do. That's, that's how, how you. You know what else? I also crushed a bag of snacks because uh, mm-hmm. you know we talked about a book club, and and then I had this bag of snacks, yeah. and I just killed it. So I also need to go. Um, Replenish my snack okay. stock. Yeah, more, more snack stocks. <laughs> I have things to do, Ben, right, is, what you're, is what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That, it, I think that's enough talk about love for now. Uh, friends, we'll be back next week with uh, chapter two, axiom number two. God is always present and at work. See you then. Hey, everybody. Just a reminder that you can still join our book launch team. Uh, if you go to gravityleadership.com slash launch, you'll get a free PDF of the book uh, so that you can read along with us and join discussions uh, about the book as we read through it together during this series. You can also pre-order the book right now from IVP. If you go to their website, there's a link in the show notes. You can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping by using the code GRAVITY. And also, we would love to hear from you. And so if you want to leave us a question, um, just head to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button to uh, record a question that we'll answer on a future episode. We'd love to hear from you um, and how you're uh, being impacted by the book and by um, the questions that you have as you listen to these podcast episodes. We will be back next week with uh, our next axiom, axiom two. God is always present and at work. We'll see you then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Joining our Gravity community is free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the podcast, and you can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start record button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.